0: Good morning, I'm Marshall Davis. It's a beautiful day up here in central New Hampshire. It's uh, gonna be 60, 61 degrees, and the uh, sun is shining brightly, and we were out this morning for quite a while, walking, we're going to go out again this afternoon, go down by the, by the lake. But uh, before we did that, I thought I would record this. Um, I'm not gonna be doing a pandemic devotion, Uh, Now, I've done quite a bit of those. I'm going to do something a bit more general. Today, I'm going to tackle the idea of enlightenment. Now, enlightenment is a term that you don't hear very often in connection with Christianity. And when you do hear it, it's normally referring to the 18th century rationalist movement in Europe, which gave birth to the American experiment of democracy and modern atheism and and liberal forms of Christianity, but that's not what I'm talking about today. Spiritually, the term enlightenment is usually used for the experience of the Buddha and other religious sages of India and the East. It is a common term in Hinduism and Buddhism and also in non-dualism. For that reason, most Christians, Uh, shy away from the term. It uh, it seems like it's like it's foreign, like it doesn't have much if anything to do with the Christian faith and Western religion, as Kipling wrote, East is East and West is West, and never the twain shall meet. But the reality is that both the word and the concept of enlightenment is found in Christianity, and even in the Christian scriptures. The Pauline letter to the Ephesians is addressed to Christian believers who have faith in Jesus. The author, who is traditionally considered to be the Apostle Paul, says, I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, and I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Then the very next verse he prays, and he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. The author obviously desires that they be enlightened. The anonymous author of the letter to the Hebrews also uses the term and describes enlightenment this way as tasting the heavenly gift, and become partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good word of God, and the powers of the age to come. In this respect, he gives an ominous warning. He says, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened, and have tasted the heavenly gift, and become partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good word of God, and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance. In other words, if Christians turn their backs on what he calls enlightenment, it's all over. So maybe Christians ought to take this more seriously. What the spiritual traditions of the world call enlightenment is the heart of all religions, including Christianity, is what Jesus meant by the kingdom of God. It was what he called people to experience when he roamed the Galilean countryside proclaiming repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He was calling people to rethink which is the literal meaning of the word repent. He was calling for a transformation of our minds and our way of seeing so that we might become aware of the kingdom of God which he says is at hand, that is at our fingertips. We need only open our eyes to that which is always in front of our eyes. It is what Jesus meant by being born again, or born anew, or born from above, or born of the Spirit. As he says to Nicodemus, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. As Jesus was so fond of saying, he who has eyes to see, let him see. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is why he spoke in parables, which were the equivalent of Zen koans. There's a marvelous passage in the Gospel of Matthew, which is included with the parable of the sower. The disciples came to Jesus and asked him why he spoke in parables. And he replied this way, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand, but blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Now this Gospel of Jesus, not the later Gospel about Jesus, which became so all-consuming for the Church that it all but forgot the message of Jesus himself, but the Gospel that Jesus himself proclaimed was about spiritual seeing. It was about seeing the Kingdom of God which is at hand, which is right here when we have eyes to see. This spiritual seeing, this enlightenment experience, is the reality behind the resurrection experiences of the earliest disciples. The earliest accounts of the resurrection of Jesus in the New Testament were spiritual experiences. Only in later decades did the Gospel writers frame this as more and more about the physical body of Jesus. Resurrection was originally about opening the eyes of the Apostles, like the Apostle Paul, whose account is the earliest and only first-hand resurrection appearance in the Bible. is about experiencing the reality of the living Christ. Death did not put an end to Jesus, nor does it put an end to us, who we really are. And the spiritual reality is here and now, visible And knowable to us, as Jesus said, when we have eyes to see and ears to hear. It's a wonderful verse in one of my favorite books of the Bible. Book of Ecclesiastes, it says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. There is eternity in the human heart. And our minds cannot fathom it. Nor can our words describe it. And yet, we can know it. At the heart of our being is eternity. That is what Jesus meant when he said the kingdom of God is within you. It is at our center. It is our essence. We are one with this eternity. We are more than mortal bodies that live and die. There is eternity in our hearts, and when we look inward, we can see that eternity. Now, I'm speaking here from my own experience. I see this. This is not theory for me. This is not conjecture, nor am I repeating something that I heard someone say or I read somewhere. As the first letter of John opens, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. And this is what I proclaim as well. This is what Christianity is really about. Christianity is not about creeds and rituals and secondhand doctrines about Jesus. It is about firsthand awareness of eternity. I look out from these eyes and I see eternity. This is what Jesus was talking about when he said that the kingdom of God is spread out upon the earth, but people do not see it. This eternity is outside and it is inside. It fills me. I look and there is nothing but eternity. Once we glimpse the eternity in our hearts, Then we see it everywhere. For there is no inside and outside. God shines everywhere and in everything. I turn my head and I see eternity. I reach out and touch. And that's what I feel. I usually call this simply the presence of God. We are not psychological personalities encased in physical bodies. Now those are... Parts of who we are, part of this eternity, you could say, like everything, is part of it. But that individual self is just a tiny little speck in the corner. You know, we are so much more than this. We are one with God and Christ. As Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This is the enlightenment experience. There is only Christ. Inside and out, the eternal Christ, the pre-existent Christ, the Logos of the Gospel of John, to whom everything in the cosmos was made. God is all and in all. There is eternity all around. It is visible and tangible and undeniable and palpable. It is the essence of what we are. In Him we live and move and have our being, as Paul explained this to the Athenian philosophers. It is the most obvious thing in the world. It is our natural state, our true nature. And everyone experiences this and knows this. Everyone is enlightened. It is what it means to be human. It is just that we have been conditioned to overlook it, so we do not see it. It's all around us and in us, but we do not notice it. Or we notice it sometimes, but we don't pay attention to it. In any case, this is what it means that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. This is what it means to know eternity in our hearts. Call it enlightenment if you want. Call it something else if you don't like that term. That word does carry with it a lot of baggage. It really doesn't matter what we call it. What matters is that we see it, and we realize that we are it. This is the abiding awareness of Jesus, which he tried so hard to communicate to his disciples, and he eventually did communicate to his disciples through that resurrection experience. That's enlightenment. It's not the exclusive property of one religion. Enlightenment is not the not the exclusive property of the spiritual elite or religious superheroes or mystics or gurus on mountaintops or saints with halos. It is the birthright of everyone. It is here, now, accessible to all. So with Ephesians, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That's it for today. Grace and peace to you. That is the Tao of Christ for this week. Thank you for listening. You can access other episodes of this podcast at thedowofchrist.com You can find my blog Spiritual Reflections as well as a link to my Books at marshalldavis.us you can email me if you want you can find my email address on my blog site I hope you join me next time for another episode of the Tao of Christ